of the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the tagger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rushed out of the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Warner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Wednesday the 14th, and you are tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Morning. Good morning. How we doing? Welcome back, Luke. Thank you. It was, a, it was a good couple of days off, but sounds like the show went well, and it was yeah. nice to spend some time in the great state of Virginia, and uh, it's good to be back. Oh, nice. Well, you did hear about the bad news that came out of the great state of Virginia, right? No. Parker's team, Parker's son, or oh, son, Parker's son. brothers, <laughs> not your son. Allegations. Oh, <laughs> Parker's brother's team lost state, state I, I semifinal. I, I did man. see that, unfortunately. That was brutal. Yeah, that was a brutal one. But yeah, nice to have you back. Glad you had a nice weekend. And uh, I'm glad that we're getting a little bit more rain again today. It sounds like you guys got crushed over the last couple of days, which uh, is good. I wouldn't necessarily say crushed. What do you think? It was just good. Nah. This is like It was a normal spring rain, I would, I would say. Monday, we got a pretty good bit of rain. Yeah. And then today, we're getting some out there, too. So it's it's needed, I think, is the best word for it. We, oh, yeah. Rain is a good thing, to quote the phrase, Brian. <laughs> it does make corn. It does, and corn makes whiskey, from what the song says. <laughs> Not that I know. Not that I'm aware of. Av- he's an avid listener to uh, 92.9 <laughs> WXDC. That's right. That's right. Which, of course, uh, cross-promote. You can listen to Parker Stone. Uh, what, 10 o'clock? Yeah, 10 o'clock over there on uh, 92.9 to be XDC. But let's get into some local ball talk. North Berkeley Knights, they had their first home game, and it was Military Appreciation Day over in Berkeley Springs. And they end up falling to post 46, 6 to nothing. Now, again, this is a young team. They're still trying to figure things out. It's early enough in the summer that um, you know they might not have the full squad guys or a vacation, different things like that. So six nothing. They've been on a little bit of a skid here these last couple of days, Luke. But um, do you think there's anything to worry about with the North Berkeley Knights? I don't really think there's much for this team to worry about this year. It's your first year. You're just trying to figure things out. And the great thing about Legion baseball, along with a lot of other baseball, is that you know everybody makes the postseason, so you have an opportunity to you know kind of put this behind you and move on and just try to play your best baseball late. You're starting below 500. Uh, but with that being said, I mean, there's still a lot that I like offensively about this team. They have really good at-bats. I know we're talking about a game that they just got shut out, but as they get the Hedgesville guys acclimated, I'm not that worried. You know, uh, that game, they beat the Appalachian Aces, the 17U team, a couple mm-hmm. of days previous. Um, they, they can win some games. They need to figure out their pitching. That's going to be huge, especially when you look at, you know, just take this weekend, for example, and it's not even the worst one. Right. Doubleheader on Friday, game on Saturday. You know, that's... They had, tough, they had tough games over the weekend. Yeah, that's that's 21 innings that they have to deal with this weekend. And then turn around and play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, doubleheader Saturday. You know, that's hard. You know, when you get into the postseason, you only have to worry about double elimination tournaments. Then we'll see this team maybe have a, a little bit more success. But early on, they're struggling to pitch and struggling to find their identity. And it's it's hard to find your identity when you're a brand new team. Yeah, and I think that's just the case. They're a new team. They're trying to gel together. It's the first year of this team's existence and there's going to be growing pains there always is when you start up a new team but it just takes the time I'm sure coach Everhart and that staff for putting things together piece by piece and it's still early on in legion and travel ball season 
a lot of players are taking a little bit of a break from going having deep state tournament runs or just take giving them arms and their bodies a little bit of a break too. And then once things get flowing, I think in the middle of July we're really going to see this Knights team get in full stride. But again, I think it's just a first year. You can't put too much stock into things as of right now. And they're they're trying to build something and build a culture over there for the North Berkeley Knights. So just give it time. It's one of those things. When we'll, we'll talk about the Orioles later on. That's what the Orioles had to do. They had to build a culture, build things, take time. And now they're one of the best teams in baseball. So. Not saying that they're going to be like the Baltimore Orioles, per se, but it's it's a team that's trying to find the right pieces, put the right things together, and make it marketable to baseball athletes in the Eastern Panhandle, which I'm sure Coach Everhart and that staff will do. Yeah, it takes time with youth baseball, especially when it comes to legions. There's so many other options for kids nowadays, whether they just want to do the prospect route, just go camp to camp to camp, or get into you know travel leagues down around the city somewhere. So many different options. But then you look on the other side of things, and you have Berkeley Post 14. They've been around for forever, and it seems like all they ever do is have great teams with all kinds of depth. So it's kind of the tale of two teams at this point, one just starting up, one that's been a cornerstone for forever. And it's kind of, I think, Post 14 puts a little bit of the blueprint out there. Like, look, this is all you got to do. And then you have pretty much prolonged success. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got a great talent pool to pull from. Mm -hmm. Part of the issue is, and I don't know what that conversation was like with Coach Everhart, North Berkeley is going to get, you know, the guys that post 14 kind of picks through first, and that's going to be the case for a while. But, you know, you've probably got some players in the fringe that they didn't want to play Legion for post 14, or maybe they got cut, and then they're thinking, what's this new team? I don't know if I want to, you know, sign up for that. And as well, you establish a program, then you get more players to join up. One Berkeley Springs kid on the team this year. I'm sure in years to come, there'll be more. You know, uh, Spring Mills is continuing to build their program up, and their kids are going to be better for it. Coach Grove doing a great job, obviously, at Hedgesville. They're going to have more and more depth as the years go on, and there's going to be a more more talent uh, to distribute between the two teams than there are right now. Uh, so you're absolutely right. Post-14 is an example of success that has been garnered over a very long period of time in Berkeley County, uh, and North Berkeley Knights can pick up some of that success as well if they're able to be consistent. You know, you want good results right now, but what you want more than anything is a good culture. Yep. You want to be a, a fun program to play for. You want to be consistent. Um, maybe I would I would recommend picking one stadium to play your home games <laughs> instead of mixing it yeah. up yeah. instead of playing all but, over the place. But I think that's a good thing for a startup team because then you do get that interest from a Berkeley Springs yeah. kid, you know, because you're playing that's out true. there and they don't have to travel the 25 minutes to mm -hmm. get to wherever. You know, you get you go out to those places. It's like barnstorming, like teams used to do back in the day, like in the 40s and stuff. They just go to these places where there's not too much baseball access. You play it, interest pops up, and next thing you know, you got five six kids, you know, wanting to join the team. But uh, if you missed our conversation with uh, Post 14's head coach Trip Tobin. You can listen back to that from a few days ago over on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. You can always get in touch with us 304 263 4321 or you can tweet us at EP Sports Network. Uh, let's talk a little football here because two uh, Eastern Panhandle kids were in the North South Football All Star game uh, a few days ago and they both scored touchdowns. Go figure. And it's two guys that we saw score a lot of touchdowns <laughs> last year. Jameer Hunter, 63 yard pass reception on a trick play, and then Baden Hartman scored on a one-yard quarterback plunge, as it says. So good showing by the Eastern Panhandle boys there with the whole state's eyes on them. Yeah, I think I would have liked to have seen Hartman get more opportunities to play in this game because uh, he was out-snapped by Brett Phillips of Wheeling Park. He's also a very good quarterback. 
And it's funny that I, I'm curious what the conversations were like between those two because they had two pretty epic games against each other. One at the island that you know ended a little bit unceremoniously uh, for Musselman because they couldn't stop Jerry Hawkins and Troy Wollaston pick up a pretty severe injury. But then Musselman gets the revenge in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, but you mentioned Jameer Hunter as well, showcasing the speed. It's a fun event, and it's always kind of astounding to me um, how these kids get up for this game. You know, the coach is getting ready to play, and they compete, and it can be really fun to watch. North takes this one. I know the basketball games were a little bit more lopsided for, for girls and boys, but that trick play kind of being the difference. And Jameer Hunter is among one of the many, many wide receiver prospects that we're going to be talking about in this upcoming season. We've talked about DeMonte Martin. DeMonte Martin has talked about Cassius Gideon, obviously Keyshawn Robinson as well. Throw Jameer Hunter into that mix. Keon Mills is a very talented young player. I know Musselman's going to have Braden Miller coming back, Logan Shelton, another name to watch out for, and Washington's going to actually use their receivers for the first time in program <laughs> history. So it, it, that's probably where the panhandle is, has its most uh, diverse range of talent, and Jameer Hunter went and showed that on the state level, and it was great to see if that's the last time that Baden Hartman ever wears a football jersey. Um, he did so for a winning team and, and did so, I'm sure, making his community proud. Yeah, and I think the really cool thing, there's two Martinsburg kids that are going to be playing at Fairmont, Engineer Hunter and Avion Blackwood, both those guys. Blackwood was, believe he was committed to Bluefield State for a while, and then he ended up flipping to Fairmont State. So those two will be playing together once again at Fairmont for the Falcons. That's a program that needs some athletes. It's good on them. And Hartman, again, as far as we know, uh, I think he's still a Bethany commit. So definitely going to be a help for that program as well. Both these guys bring a lot to the table. They're fantastic athletes. They bring a lot of skill sets. And again, that wide receiver battle this year is going to be a fun one to watch. Who's going to take the crown as the top receiver? We got Keyshawn. We got DeMonte. Gavin Young comes into the conversation. You've got Cash Gideon. You've got whatever Musselman's bringing up with Shelton and guys of the like. They're going to get more opportunities with Ray Adamas being gone. You got guy like Keon Mills from Spring Mills, who we thought kind of had an underwhelming sophomore season. Is he going to have a rebound this year? There's what's Washington packing over that way. They're kind of a question mark with Coach Ray. There, there's a lot of questions with that receiver room. There's some fantastic guys, but there again, there's some guys that could be popping out of nowhere. I think it's going to be really exciting. So first uh, thing that pops into your head, what do you think about um, the outcome of that game? North beating the north half of West Virginia, beating the south, southern half of West Virginia. What do you think that means consequently for how you know football will go the next, well, the next year, the next couple of years across the state? Because it seems like, for the most part, it's just Charleston, those teams in that general area, Morgantown, the small the small area around that with those high schools, and then the panhandle. That's really it. But do you think that this kind of shifts the um I mean, say the power dynamic more towards the northern half of the state rather than where it seems to usually be more southern? Yeah, I could see that. I mean, you're absolutely right, talking about the 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 Kanawha Valley area mm -hmm. dominating in terms of all the talent that they have. Uh, it was a pretty impressive defensive showing from the north because they hold them to just ten points. So it was good to see again. Brett Phillips is a really good player, and the players that they had, you know, Will James on the field as well. Uh, I mentioned with obviously Jameer Hunter and the Panhandle right. talent. There's a lot of good talent for the North to definitively be the better side in this game. I don't think people take a lot of stock in it, obviously, because it's just a it's a fun game at the end of it. But there's starting to be a little bit of a shift in power from Charleston, an area that's declining in population, to areas that are increasing in population. The Eastern and Northern Panhandles. Morgantown and that kind of Huntington area as well as people move out of Charleston and, and kind of get a little bit closer to Ohio. So I, I, th I think that's absolutely potentially the case. Right. 
Well, you can get in touch with us. 304-263-4321 is the text line, or you can tweet us at EP Sports Network. We'll step aside and be back after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchwood Building. I'm Jordan Icewinner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. You can text us 304-263-4321, or you can tweet us at EP Sports Network. Kind of wrap up a little bit of our local uh, sports coverage. We're getting some guys, some football stars, committing or getting offers, this, that, and a third from different colleges. And we got two guys, uh, well, one guy getting a big D1 offer, and then another uh, good quarterback around here getting a good visit. To a uh, Mountain East school. Absolutely. The, the one I wanted to hit on, and I, I know that it was Parker that came up with the, the, the Max Anderson story, and I hope he gets the chance to play in college. Mm. Not only do I hope he gets the chance to play in college, I hope he gets to play quarterback, but Rashad Reed, I mean, we've been saying it for a while. Stop. Those of us that have seen him, that his recruitment is going to take off, I mean, at a, at a high speed this year. So he picks up an offer from Robert Morris, a little Bobby Moe action. I was wondering what Bobby Moe meant. Bobby Moe. I looked it up. I was like, oh, it's a very sense. Pat McAfee thing to say. Yeah. Um, they have a brand new defensive coordinator who's a former defensive lineman, uh, and he's the kind of guy that can really reshape a program. He's only six feet tall. That's going to be the. He's a cannonball, but he moves people. Aaron Donald, and let's you know, I pump the brakes. I know I just said Aaron Donald. <laughs> yeah. He's not a very big guy either. He's just a, a specimen. And when you watch Rashad Reed play as an offensive and defensive lineman, he just moves people. He's one of the strongest high school kids I've ever seen. And I really hope he has an opportunity to showcase that this season and take that to the next level. He's somebody that, uh, as in a, a front three scheme, can get after the quarterback or in a front four scheme, can just be a, a plug-and-play defensive tackle that you just cannot move. And for the fun of it, he's quick enough that if you want to play him at left or right guard, he can pull and get down the field. I mean, if you're a linebacker trying to set the edge on a on a jailbreak screen or a tunnel screen or, you know, you're just pulling to try to get some outside zone and Rashad Reed's barreling down at you at full speed, I wouldn't I'm I'm getting out of the way. Well, he's the one that just showed up at Martinsburg one day and was like in work boots and benched five hundred something, right? That's yeah, something crocs. like that. He was just like I, I can't remember what the number was, but mm-hmm. there was just yeah, this guy all of a sudden's just squatting, say five hundred pounds or whatever and it's also street would be in Crocs. I think they said he was wearing jean shorts and crocs unreal but he's 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 a grown man and he's he's going to have an opportunity to play at the next level hopefully at the division one level and i hope max anderson does too because he you know pound for pound is you talk about a guy with a great work ethic and a great motor uh he's somebody that is looking to have a very good season for a, a very young and talented spring mills team well looking at robert morris's roster from last year um defensive lineman wise i mean six four is the tallest six four two 250. I mean, there's a 6'2", 330. So, of course, once he gets into a, a proper weight program and, you know, a nutrition program, and he's still probably got some growing to do, he'll jump up there, and I think he'll be able to fit in pretty well. I think he fits in best as a three-tech for a 4-3 team, as what I see him as. He's got a lot of strength to him. Can He's a bulldozer of an athlete. He's That smaller stature is going to be a little bit of concern. The bigger thing that – and we talked about this when Joey Fisher was being courted as an NFL draft prospect. The arm length is going to be a big thing as well for the linemen. They look for that a lot. Depending on how he performs and how those measurables are, I think it's going to be the length of author, offers Rashad Reed is going to be getting. But he's definitely the caliber of athlete to play, I think, Power 5 Division 1, to be honest with you, the way he just dominates the line of scrimmage. He's got that potential. I think it all just comes down to the measurables and how his playing 
well, the playing measurables, however, stack up into next season. Because if he adds a little bit of weight to him, he becomes like, let's just say at one point, let's say he gains an inch or two. Let's say he's 6'1", maybe 6'2". Mm-hmm. He gets up to what, like 240, 250? Oh, I think he, he gets bigger than that. You get you get him to a college program, he's playing at 285, mm-hmm. 290. And that's ideally what you want him to be at if he's a 4'3 defensive tackle. Like you want like guys in that 290 to 300 range playing at D-tackle in Power 5 and in the NFL. He's got that type of potential. It just the way he dominates. I mean, it's it's like night and day. It's like a grown player. It's like an NFL <laughs> player playing with Pee Wee kids. Right. It's <laughs> it, it's remarkable what he can do. So I'm excited to see his recruitment unfold this next year and what's going to happen with Rashad Reed because he's a heck of a talent. If everything pieces together for him and the Bulldogs this season, he's going to be one of the focal points for why Martinsburg is going to make another run. And, and Eddie Vesterine for WV is only six foot two, and he's right. today probably starting at defensive tackle for them. I was going to say he reminds me a lot of Sean Martin, but Sean Martin's six foot five. But the thing about Sean Martin was, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this was a Greg Hunter poll. He was about 215 pounds when he came to WVU, and he's going to be well above three bills to begin this season, and he's going to be a edge rusher. So, you know, that weight's not going to be an issue for him. Maybe a couple more inches in height. But at, at some point, it doesn't matter. When mm-hmm. you move people yep. and you are unmovable, you know, you're going to get to play at a high level. And even if he doesn't get to play at the Power 5 level, fine. Go to Robert Morris and dominate for three or four years and then get drafted. Right. You know, and he's 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 a special talent, one of many for Martinsburg to watch for this year. And it's good to see. These are the kind of offers that you want to see right now. You know, I mean, obviously, he's not going to pick up an offer from Bama today. But if you're picking up Robert Morris today and the one double A start to trickle in and then, mm-hmm. you know, the group of five start to trickle in, you haven't even played a game yet. The time you start playing in the fall then you start to get, you know, the eyes light up of, of power five potential schools or high level group of five schools. And then your recruitment really takes off. Well, I think Joey Fisher bringing that up is perfect because for guys around here, I feel like that is the the perfect kind of um, measuring sword. stick. Yeah, measuring stick, if you will, for uh, kids around here. You know, uh, a guy that didn't quite get. I mean, yes, he had the Maryland offer, had the Maryland look coming out of high school. But then if that didn't work out like it happens, I feel like a lot around here with kids getting West Virginia looks and then they kind of disappear and then they he moved around went to places found a smaller school and then look what happens to him so it's not d1 or bust anymore uh, they're gonna find you if your talent's good enough and i think rashad reed certainly has the good enough talent to make a push for a d1 school but he's gonna be a stud anywhere he goes so it'll be uh, impressive to impressive to see where he ends up i think you're right once you get a robert morris to uh get some eyes on you that means that you're getting looks from other people too they just haven't quite sent you anything yet but you can always get in touch 304-263-4321 real quick before we get to this final break the maryland turpies they got a new baseball coach uh rob vaughn he's on the way out 183 wins three big 10 titles all kinds of brokers or broken records uh at the school which has been uh, fun from a somewhat maryland baseball fan perspective but the new coach and he's heading to alabama by the way so good pickup for the uh crimson tide but on the way in is longtime Maryland baseball alum and assistant coach Matt Swope. Grew up right down the street from uh, College Park. He played at College Park. So I think that's a good uh, transition for the Turpies, especially because they've been playing some pretty good ball the last couple of years under uh, Coach Vaughn. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Brad Bohannon, that weird thing with what happened in Alabama and the betting, it's, it's an awkward situation for him to be stepping into for Vaughn. Uh, so credit to him. Yeah. And obviously, I'm sure there's a pay raise that's coming when you jump into the SEC in a pretty talented program. 
Um, but it sounded like, like you said, it was an internal hire for Maryland. And this is an area that you just you don't want to start playing from behind. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be on top of recruiting. It's a it's a rich it, it's an area of very good talent, but not a lot of depth in terms of talent. It's something you probably know oh, better yeah. than all of us. I mean, there's some pretty high level, high end guys, but they're not that many as mm-hmm. opposed to Texas or Florida or things like that. So you got to stay on top of things. Well, there's just so many schools around. Yeah. So many school kids are getting picked up in baseball. It's tough, too, because like Parker with your brother. I mean, uh, he's a great hitter, great baseball player, but he'll go Juco, right? He'll have, mm-hmm. you know, immediate playing time and then he'll get to move up that way. So there's so many options for kids uh, in this area, especially when it comes to school. So it does make it tough for, uh, I think, a lot of these, you know, Maryland's and Towson's and things like that to pick up from the, uh, I think, a pretty good talent pool across the state. But, yeah, I think it's good hire. And it's it's just, you look at their roster, and it's over 60% Maryland natives. Mm-hmm. So you want somebody that knows the area, has probably recruited the area, uh, and, and continue the level of recruiting success that Maryland has. Obviously, you want to see this team take the next step, uh, and they think that Swope is somebody that can do that. But you won 42 games this year. You know There was talk that West Virginia might go to a Maryland regional or Maryland might go to a West Virginia regional, which I was kind of looking forward to. Unfortunately, it didn't play out that way. Uh, and they ended things, unfortunately, a little unceremoniously, losing to George Mason after they started their regional with a win. But that program's in a good spot, and it's clear they want to keep it where it's at. See, I'm looking at the Maryland roster, and uh, under the names, oh, it's for their uh, – <laughs> there's little money signs underneath all their names. Oh, I and, see. And uh, if you click on it, it brings up like a uh, page where you can uh, oh, get a shout-out yeah. for 11 bucks, or they'll post something on social media for you <laughs> for 23 I wanna, bucks. I want a shout-out from Andrew Brock, freshman <laughs> yeah. from Cincinnati, Ohio. That's funny. <laughs> Left-handed pitcher with the worst haircut I've ever seen in my Dude, entire life. Man, college sports are so different now. I Some want, of these uh, guys look like they just got out of bed. I'm telling you. I want Joey Colucci from Percelville. <laughs> I want him give me, to... Uh, give me Ryan Van Buren. Come on, from I Abington. Fi- what a $50 gosh. autograph from Joey Colucci, the pitcher for the Maryland Terrapins. Go figure. The beauty of NIL. Watch two weeks from now, we're going to have a Maryland baseball panhandle live regional. <laughs> Dude, don't tempt me with a good time. Some of these I'm sure are this pretty is cheap. Jason Savakul, and you're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. <laughs> like, who? <laughs> Excuse me, what? This is actually kind of nice. They have uh, pronunciation things on here, too, where you click on it, and it'll say the guy's name. Oh, like those Michael are, those are Buma. Those were a lifesaver doing college radio back in the day. Canisius would roll into town with the most absurd Eastern Bloc names you've ever heard in your entire life and no pronunciation guide. Tell me this isn't the most Italian Sopranos name ever. Jason Savacool. 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 You got to put the hand up. Savacool. Savacool or Gabagool. Savacool, Gabagool. But anyways, we got to get to our bottom of our break. We'll be back for more after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Uh, you can always get in touch with us, 304-263-4321. Tweet us at EP Sports Network. We are your home for Baltimore Orioles baseball, and they got a win yet again last night, 11-6 to over the Toronto Blue Jays. A couple of hits for a couple of guys on there, but the biggest one, and my goodness, this guy, he's got he has to be one of the hottest players in all of baseball right now, Gunnar Henderson with another big fly home run. Bases loaded, 1-0. Henderson swings, a long drive out towards center field. Kiermaier backing up in front of the bullpen wall. He leaps, and it's a grand slam! Don't let Gunnar Henderson get hot. The kid has ripped this one 
wide open in the third. Well, I think it's too late. I think he's already uh, hot up there at the plate right now. I mean, he's got the cycle. What I say? Oh, for her. In the last five games, he's had like 12 hits, a handful of home runs, a couple stolen bases, and they're 5-0 and in the last five games. So the Orioles, man, they can do no wrong right now. Yeah, that's true. And they again, another great start from Dean Kremer. And you get that production to the top of the lineup from Henderson, which is why he's hitting up there. You want him to get as many at-bats as possible. The problem all of a sudden, though, for this Orioles team, it doesn't matter when you score 11 runs, is their bullpen went from being the best in baseball to just bang average. Mm -hmm. You know, all of a sudden, you have a really bad performance from Austin Voth at the back of Voth, I should say, at the back of the bullpen, who only goes a third of an inning and gives up two runs, and then Perez comes in and struggles as well. That's my long-term concern for the Orioles. Don't get me wrong, if you're an Orioles fan listening to me say this, we've gone a long way from this team is the worst team in baseball to the thing that might cost them a playoff series as their bullpen. You know, that's a conversation you love to be having at this point in a rebuild. Uh, but still, 18 games above 500, it didn't matter. But long-term, they're going to have to address consistency in the back of the bullpen. There's a lot of arms in the farm system to do that. But I would also like to see them make a couple of deals at the deadline because that's the missing piece. Their rotation was horrible the first month of the season. All of a sudden, they've locked in. Uh, and it's great to see Kremer kind of leading the line in that regard. And at some point, and I know I've said this a million times, he's delayed, but John Means is coming back at some point. Uh, so the biggest question now when you've got one of the best young offenses in baseball, you run the bases well, you're great defensively, you're getting good starts, is your bullpen. You've got one of the best closers in baseball, but you got to get it to him. So that's my only concern, but another very quality win uh, against a divisional rival. And, and, and scoring 11 runs is always going to be a great performance. And the two key takeaways from this is that their two best pieces of the bullpen were not eligible to pitch in this game and Yenier Cano and Felix Batista. That's true. Those those two pieces are what makes the Baltimore Orioles bullpen the Baltimore Orioles bullpen. I saw a stat yesterday. Every player in the Orioles lineup had a hit before the end of the third inning, which is also fantastic. They were able to put they were able to put this game out of reach early on. Rutschman has a great game, two for five. Henderson's been doing fantastic things. Aaron Hicks has been fantastic pickup and relief for Cedric Mullins as he's coming back from injury. You bring up trading at the deadline, and I feel like the Orioles are possibly in the best possible situation to make a deal at the deadline. And the team I'm looking at right now is the Kansas City Royals because that's a team that's struggling. There are two relievers right now I think you could go after, one being Scott Barlow, the other being Aroldis Chapman. Those two guys, I think you could make a deal for them right now. Now, depending how much they're wanting to give up to make a move like this, because right now I think the Orioles are a top three team in the American League. You've got the Rays, you got the Rangers, and I think the Orioles. are You're in that top three conversation right now. And I think the Orioles right now, the way it's looking, are going to put themselves in the top wild card spot. Because if I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think the Blue Jays have legs to make the playoffs. I think the Red Sox are still trying to find their footing. And I think the Yankees are going to be too banged up to possibly get into the playoffs this year. They're going to have to barely squeak their way in. So I think you're if you're in a spot to make a run here, why not try and get that bullpen even more beefed up than what it already is? Get on a roll as Chapman. Get a Scott Barlow in your bullpen try and beef that up to get it even stronger for when John Means eventually comes back for a potential playoff run. I don't hate the idea at all. I think making a trade would be smart. So looking at their schedule so far, they pretty much played everybody that uh, they need to beat or, you know, tough games in their conference or in their division. Do you think that uh, they're built looking at how they've played already this year and then looking forward past the all-star game and things, do you think that they're built to continue this, to prolong the success, and then come back and beat these teams that they're going to have to beat again at the end of the year. Absolutely. I mean, they still struggle a little bit to, to win on the road. 
Um, baseball reference has them as a 56% chance to make the postseason, which is tough to do because it's taking into effect that the best team in baseball right now are the Tampa Bay Rays, and you're in their division, mm-hmm. so you're not going to be able to win the division. Uh, they've got power. I like how distributed the power is throughout the lineup. I like that they have Mateo and Mullins that can run a little bit, so they got a little bit of speed. They've got some balance. They've got some guys that see a lot of pitches. You know, Adley Rushman's got some of the best plate discipline in really all of baseball, and Gunnar Henderson. That's the thing about these prospects is they're having the best at-bats of all of these players. They're the guys with the 100-point difference between their batting average and on-base percentage. Your rotation's starting to come into its own, and this is with, you know, Grace's Rodriguez being a little bit inconsistent and John Means continuing to be hurt, that you're in a good spot there. And you're absolutely right about Cano when you mentioned it, uh, Parker, being the best setup guy in baseball and Felix Batista potentially being the best closer, that while I said I have concerns about the bullpen, and I do, you do have two very good anchors. If you were to go out, uh, I don't really want to see a Rollis Chapman pitch for the Orioles, but to get Barlow, uh, you know, the Cardinals are horrible right now, to go out and get Ryan Helsley or somebody from their organization, um, that would put them in a pretty good chance to succeed. And speaking of the aforementioned St. Louis Cardinals, they helped out the Orioles yesterday. Now that Matthew Libertor is no longer considered a top prospect, uh, he's taken off the list. Uh, mm-hmm. The Orioles now have nine players in Baseball America's top 100 prospects. I think the guy's name was Mayo. They, so everyone was posting those Duke's Mayo pictures where they dumped <laughs> the huge jug of Mayo on the yeah, coach. Yeah. Um, they now have nine top 100 prospects in baseball, which means you have a huge amount of leverage and, and capital to make a deal for somebody pretty big at the deadline, number one, or you've got a handful of guys with 2023 and 2024 ETAs that could come up in August, come up in September, and they could be the difference maker along with John Means as well. So there's so much positive energy and and things I like about this Orioles team that I look at the I look at the bullpen as really the only big concern depth wise. So with that being said, I think they're a playoff team. And there are four prospects in the top 50, too, is one of the biggest takeaways. Obviously, you're keeping Jackson Holiday as one of the top prospects. They want to keep Colton Kowser because they see him as one of those potential guys in the outfield for the future. But you look down the list, Jordan Westberg, he's an infielder. He's expected call-ups going to be sometime this year. That's a guy, if you want to try and make that deal, I think you can make it. Because you think about that infield of the future for the Orioles. you got Mount Castle, you've got Holiday. And you've got Henderson. You really only have that second base spot open. That's really being played by Jorge Mateo right now. Depending on if you want I love to cut Mateo, that. To be fair, yeah. If you if unless you feel like Mateo is a guy that's only going to be there for a couple more years and let him go, and then you bring in Westberg. But that's a guy you look at. You look at Hessen Kierdad too. Is another guy in that top fifty. You could look at the deal. And the list goes on and on and on. You got Joey Ortiz, and, who's Joe, a, and he's come up. He's one of the best defensive infielders in baseball. Yeah. When he's come up for just you know spells. Same with DL Hall. Those are two guys you could unload mm-hmm. right now and get a pretty good cash back for. Case in point, they're in a really good spot if they want to make a trade for a reliever, make any sort of trade at the deadline. They're set so good right now, they could cash in, go, and make a real, I think, playoff run and go deep into the series. Well, time will tell, and they're uh, on the uh, road again, or they're home again tonight against the Blue Jays. 7.05 first pitch. You'll hear that right here on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Then an early game on Thursday, 105, and then they're on the way to Chicago for a day game against the Cubs on Friday at 2.20. You can hear all those games right here on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network, your home for Baltimore Orioles baseball. Real quick before we get to this uh, last break of the hour, it was the uh, anti, what they call it, the anti-boycott game out in Oakland. Yeah, the reverse boycott where there's been, I think, 10 fans total at games, home (laughs) games all year this year, and then they packed it out. It's like 30-some thousand people at the game uh, to – 
Was it to show their pride? I don't even know really what the whole thing was. It was just to kind of go out for their basically team Basically say, hey, it's not the fans that are the problem in Oakland. It's right. basically what they're trying to implement. Well, they were dead quiet for the first uh, at-batter. The first at-batter, the first inning of the game, everybody stood up and was quiet. And then as soon as that first hit went down the third baseline, it was a double for the guy. Uh, the, teams, or the fans started chanting, sell the team so loud that they had to stop the game because the pitcher for the A's couldn't even hear the pitch uh, call thing in his hat. So what do you think of that? Do you think that's the right thing for the fans to do to kind of show their pride really one final time uh, to this ownership for the uh, Oakland A's that have, in their minds, seemed to have let them go by the wayside? Absolutely. So they're averaging 8,000 people a game. There were 27,000 people there yesterday. Like you said, they waited for a silent. They all stood up in the fifth inning and were silent for the first at-bat and then just uh, thunderously chanted sell the team mm. or and it, it's it's just a shame what's going to happen to that fan base because it's not necessarily something that they deserve they lost the warriors they're about to lose the a's they lost the raiders um you know it's 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 a tough area and it's it's a tough stadium that needed to be addressed a long time ago i think that's what upsets the fans more than anything i know stadiums aren't cheap but if you were to build one 10 years ago the raiders would still be there and the a's would not be leaving right now you know, and they have nobody to blame but themselves. I understand uh, that Phillips and their ownership back, you know, in the Moneyball era didn't have that kind of money. Uh, sell the team, you know, do not get in the way of the experience of a fans trying to experience their club being successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is how it's going to end unceremoniously for A's fans who had a, an opportunity to, you know, show their displeasure at least one more time for the front office. And they did so in a way that garnered them a lot of respect. I know some things happened late in the game that, you know, a little bit shameful stuff was thrown on the field and whatever, but there was a lot of respect for other fan bases based on what happened in that fifth inning, especially uh, from people that feel incredibly disenfranchised. And looking, this is an article from uh, Tim Cohen from ESPN, and I think this is a good way to sum up what the management and the ownership in the Oakland A's franchise has done in this team. The A's won 97 games in 2019, made the postseason again in 2020, and then they just trade away all these young stars. Guys like Sean Murphy gets dealt to the Atlanta Braves. Marcus Simeon gets dealt to the Blue Jays. And they just keep taking away guys on that roster. There were three guys. Matt Chapman gets dealt to Toronto as well. They reduced the payroll to the lowest in baseball. They raised the ticket prices and do nothing to improve the fan experiences. The wins dwindled. Then used poor attendance and the condition of the ballpark to justify the decision to moving to a new home. It's all on the ownership, and I think this is a move to Vegas they've been planning for years on. Well, it it's exactly point. it's exactly what happened to the St. Louis Rams. Yeah, they tanked the product and just it comp- makes it easier to move. Absolutely, it, it, it blames it. Oh, the- well, nobody's coming to our games yep. well, because you drove them out. Yeah. Uh, what a messy, messy, messy situation over there in Oakland. And they're playing good ball right now. They've won seven straight. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. Go <laughs> out of nowhere. Got the longest active winning streak in baseball right now. Unreal. In Unreal. spite of the ownership. It's hilarious. <laughs> Although I will say, and I said this before we came on the air, um, I thought it was great. The uh, the attendance and everything, the, the fan interaction was awesome. Until the end of the game uh, that they won, by the way. Yeah. All the fans started throwing trash and different things and bottles and whatever out on the field to uh, show their displeasure, which I get. But uh, I feel like that just kind of stains it a little bit at the end. It justifies the, hey, we're getting out of here because you fans don't respect our field and respect our product. Which, I mean, granted, it's not one to be very happy about right now. I wouldn't be happy if I'm an Oakland A's fan. But at the same time, you got to show a little bit of class in that as well. You can't just start throwing stuff and starting a ride on the field at the same time. You got you got to keep it a little bit of class in that sense to be like, well, this is why we're moving to Vegas because right. you all don't treat it right. And it's so poetic that the same day this happens is the same is the same time the city of Las Idle Vegas Town. approves 
a $380 million grant for stadium funding mm-hmm. for what's going to be the Las Vegas And they're athletics. sneaky turning into title town, man. With the Knights out there, they've been yeah. playing good hockey yeah. ever since they started. I mean, time will tell. Maybe it does turn into be a great uh, sports city. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, it's tough for the Oakland fan base, that's for sure. I'm glad I haven't had to deal with any of that with any of my teams in my lifetime. But get in touch with us. 304-263-4321 is the text line. We'll step aside one final time. We'll come back, get Parker's picks, and start to wrap things up on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchhoff Building. Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Proving it's never fails. Never failed once. Well, it has been a week of two for threes because this is the third straight two for three we've had this week. We had Gunnar Henderson able to get two plus total bases. He went three for five yesterday, including that grand slam you just heard not too long ago. Also, we had the Golden Knights yesterday's lock of the day. They ended up routing the Florida Panthers to win the Stanley Cup last night. But we came up short as the Washington Mystics blew their win against the Indiana Fever. 87 to 66 was the final in that matchup favoring Indiana with Aaliyah Boston having a fantastic game. She's looks like she's going to be one of the next stars of the WNBA. She was last she was this past draft's number 1 overall pick. She's she's putting up some fantastic numbers for Indiana. It's going to looking to turn that franchise around. But going into today, today's lock of the day is going to be the Braves over the Tigers. I got Spencer Strider on the mound for Atlanta and the Braves are just one of the better teams in baseball. The Tigers had a hot stretch there for a little bit trying to make ground in the AL Central. That's just abysmal, but I think just the Braves are a better team. They got arguably who I think is going to be National League MVP in Ronald Acuna Jr. Spencer Strider has been pitching fantastic. It, it's a team that I think is going to make a real run in the National League, and I think the Braves end up beating the Tigers today as today's lock of the day. I've also got Josiah Gray going over three and a half strikeouts today against the Astros. He's hit that number four out of his last five games. It's a low number. I feel confident. Yeah, I mean, the Astros have some really good hitters. They got Altuve. They got Alvarez. They've got guys like Pena who can be a threat at the plate. But I feel like he has enough in him to get four strikeouts at some point against this lineup because the Astros, they go, they're kind of hot and cold with their bats too. I think he's got a real chance to hit this today. So I'm going Josiah Gray over on three and a half strikeouts. And also I'm going, and I'm so happy they have him on the line for today. Brenton Doyle, two plus total bases against the Red Sox today for the Colorado Rockies. Going to throw him in there. And I'm loving, I guess the books are still trying to figure out more about Brenton Doyle because this is a plus 140 right now. So I'm like, I'm going to hop on that and take that if I can. It's it's a good pick. And Doyle, again, he's the ability. He's got the speed to go get a double. He can hit it out. It just depends on how the things fall. It's in Fenway, so he doesn't get into course boost in this game. But uh, He's hitting righty over the green monster. Yeah. I think it's a good point, too, just to where... He hits one off the wall, it's a triple. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not catching that guy. Yeah. it's it's. I think it's a good pickup, and I think just the lack of people knowing about Brenton Doyle at this point, I think it's going to help the case just with it being plus 140 because, honestly, that line probably should be a little bit lower than what it is. So, again, today's lock of the day, the Braves beat the Tigers. Josiah Gray's over on strikeouts at three and a half, and I got Brenton Doyle going two-plus total bases in the Rockies-Red Sox matchup tonight. I've been looking at the uh, quote board. We haven't updated it in a while, but we got the uh, – they wrote me off, but I didn't write back, though, the Geno Smith uh, NFL Comeback Player of the Year. And then we also have new to the, True to This, Not New to This by uh, D. Ronnie Brown. I think we have a new one to add from NBA Finals MVP and NBA Finals champion, 
Nikola Jokic uh, was quoted by Malik Andrews and saying, they didn't believe in the fat boy. It seems like it worked out, though. Don't bet against the fat boy. It's fat boy summer. I'm telling you, man. I'm here for it. Shout out to the fat boys out there. But what a great quote. He's been, I mean, just a quote machine the last couple of days with some of the things he's been saying. He just wants to go home. I want to go home. They told him about the parade and his his heart broke. He just wants to go home. Well, I asked Parker about this yesterday, and I said, uh, do you think that only these European guys, these uh, international players, do you think they're the only guys in the NBA that can get away with doing stuff like that? Because they just, once he's out of here... He, we're not going to hear from him until he comes back for He's going to be on a ranch or, in Serbia somewhere. Right, he's going to be horse racing out in like the woods, yeah. right? So uh, now he's going to miss – he's not going to have nearly as much, if any, uh, media coverage out there, right? He's not going to be getting interviewed all the time, at least that we would see. Um, but if he would have stayed here in the States the whole time, I mean, my goodness, we'd be hearing him nonstop for the next three months. So do you think it's easier for these European guys, these international guys, to be like uh, – to show – what seems to be, you know, uninterested uh, personality like Jokic does right now. Yeah, but it's it's also harder than them because they don't live here. You right. know, they spend right. nine months away from their home, so it's a little bit of a give and take. People are chastising him, saying you signed a two hundred forty million dollar contract. The interviews are part of the job, and while he is coming off a little bit like he just wants to get home, right. has he not been to every press conference? Yep. And he will be yeah. at the parade. He's doing all his obligations, but at the end of the day, he just wants to go back to Serbia. You know, he just had. It's a shame. I guess I'll go ahead and say it now, even though I said at one point that Embiid deserved the MVP. It's a shame that he didn't win MVP because we would be talking about this as one of the best seasons in NBA history. Uh, everything that he was able to accomplish. He, like I was talking to some my dad yesterday about it, like an Akeem Olajuwon season right. when Jordan was gone and he won the NBA Finals. So it's a shame we were deprived of that because he's such a game-changing player. And the funny thing about it is he can go into the woods in Serbia and do whatever he wants to, comes out 15 pounds heavier if he, you know, and still be one of the most dominant players in the NBA. So, you know, it's a well-deserved time off. That, the NBA season is so long. They only got mm-hmm. 100, what, 30 days, I think, until uh, the first game of the season. Yeah, exactly. Yep. It's absolutely right. And then you have to come back early for training camp and all of that. You know, it's, it's like the soccer season. It just does not stop. So the guy's going to go to the parade. And he's going to go home, and then he's going to recuperate and come back and try to do it all again next year. All the mileage that he's putting on one of the bigger bodies in the NBA. Right. So uh, certainly well-deserved. And he's he's such a fun player to watch. And I was talking about this a little bit yesterday, and I think with this championship and this finals MVP, I think we can comfortably set Nikola Jokic in as a top five NBA center 100%. of all time. Yeah. I, was, I was going Easy. through the list yesterday with somebody. It's uh, – it's Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Shaq, Kareem, in any order. I didn't say those in order. And then uh, and then Jokic. That's what I would say. I think You put him over Akeem, though? I would put him over Akeem. And people <sighs> did say, well, who are you taking out of the four that I just named? Oh, Don't say rough. Shaq. Do not say Shaq. Uh, Why not? Here's the thing. It would be Shaq for me. <laughs> I was going to say, why not? He's the He's most the... physically dominant player yeah. in the history Well, of the game. here's why. Because I feel like Shaq... He underachieved for what he could have been. I think that's the biggest takeaway I have for Shaq. Yes, well, I, I mean get people it. are going to be saying the exact same thing about Nikola Jokic when he retires. Mm-hmm. You know, twenty years from now, it'll be if only he was in shape. Well, that's not that's not that's not the point. And he won championships. If know? he if Jokic is able to get, he beat sec- Michael Jordan. Yeah, he, I he mean, and he Penny had- Hardaway beat Michael Jordan. You know, Penny's it's, a goat. It's crazy. But I feel like at the same time, though, if Jokic is able to get this second ring at some point, I think that wipes the slate i just think i think personally hakeem is a top three big of all time i do just because i mean no one had better footwork and able to work the post better than hakeem Olajuwon. you look at i mean bill russell's never going to be top 
Oh, it's going to be tough because he won 11 championships. Hot take, Bill. And this is coming from a Celtics fan. Bill Russell's overrated. Well, you're the same guy that said that Jason Tatum's the greatest Celtic <laughs> like, no, of all time. Yeah, so, like, come on, man. You know. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bill Russell won 11 champs at the end of the day. That's why he's going to be on the list at yeah. the end of the day. Nobody, no center most for, I, I say no, but it's, it's incredibly unlikely that a center is going to pass Kareem in terms of scoring. No, right? Kareem, I think is the best center of all time. Shaq again is the most physically dominant player at the position. That is the most physically dominated or dominant position. Um, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I do. I do love a game. He'd be number six for me. And then it's a pretty big drop off. And then it's mm. Patrick Ewing. Well, of course, other than uh, MLB baseball happening right now and College World Series is uh, getting ready to really get going as well. I saw a thing this morning. It said we have officially entered the dog days of summer. Yes. 75 days until NCAA football, 86 days till the NFL, 127 till the NBA. And then uh, 149 until I did college not, basketball comes around. I did not need to see that crying picture of John Wall. That's what that's what got my attention. I was, oh, come on. We are 80 days away from the Shepherd football opener. So That's right. Hold fast, Rams fans. That's right. Southern Connecticut State coming down to Rams Stadium. And word, I guess uh, the Shepherd fans that I've been seeing on um, social media, especially this morning, must have missed our episode when we were talking about Christian Etchison, uh becoming a, on the coaching staff now for uh, Shepard instead of being in uh, that quarterback battle. So that begs the question, with Etch out of the out of the question now, um, where does that put Ezra Bajit in the list, do you think? Because he's coming in, the right? Of course you got, yeah, you got uh, Morgan. That's the, the high-profile guy, I guess you could say, although we're running out of time now. But where do you think that puts Ezra, ba- Ezra Bajit? As an incoming freshman. He and Sammy Roberts will battle out for the quarterback job next year. It'll yep. be Seth Morgan yeah. this year. Yep. I think so, too. Anything quick, Bart? No, I think we're good. Happy birthday, Mom. Oh, oh wow. yeah. Shout out. Shout yeah. out to, uh, Happy to birthday, Mama Mom. Stone. Absolutely. Happy birthday to you. And that does it for us today. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. For Parker and Luke, I'm Jordan. This has been Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Live is next. Have a good one. We will talk to you tomorrow. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.